Welcome to Success Stories brought to you by SNS Activewear. I'm your host, Marshall Atkinson, and this is the podcast that focuses on what's working so you can have success too. How are you with the mindset of failing? I know that I usually learn more from my mistakes than I do from my successes. How about you? As we move through our career in business, the concept of constantly evolving and learning has helped one business thrive. Eric Solomon with Night Owls in Houston, Texas, has taken the concept of leveling up by constantly challenging themselves to do better. On today's Success Stories podcast, we'll explore the notion of how learning and the concept of intentionally conquering challenges has set them apart from other screen printers. So, Eric, welcome to the Success Stories podcast. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so you run your business with your wife, Val, and she just won an award for women in business from Screen Printing Magazine. She did. Um, it is very, very exciting. I personally think it is a uh, very well, well deserved. Um, I know she was very honored to uh, receive that, along with I think it was four or five other um, women that are also in our industry, all very deserving of it as well. And I think it was really cool that uh, that they're starting to make changes and recognize, you know, different different people in this industry because, uh, as you know, Marshall. There's so many different facets of what we do, and there's so many different types of people and personalities in this business that it's um, exciting to, to see see them kind of foster that in, in different areas that maybe they haven't before. Let's go back to the beginning, Eric. So tell us the origin story about Night Owls and how has your business and skill set evolved? Because that's what we're talking about today is growth. So our story with Night Owls is, I feel, you know, probably not different from a lot of other companies that um, you may have talked to or, or you may have heard from over the past couple of years. My wife and I, who uh, we started this business together in, Night Owls started in 2010, but we had been printing since 2004. We started in my bedroom at my parents' house in North Houston. I was in a band. I was making one-inch pinback buttons for my band, for my friends' bands, and we slowly decided that we were going to start printing t-shirts, and we started by going to, I think it was Hobby Lobby, and just getting a speedball kit, and, uh, and you know, finding old um, coloring books that we liked, and sort of borrowing uh, the images from the coloring books, just because they were black and white, and um, we spent a lot of time messing up. At one point in time, I tried to wash Plastisol ink out in my parents' kitchen sink. They Uh-oh. were not very excited about that. Um, Uh-oh. And, uh, and, and yeah, we just, we, we just sort of kept going and going and going. Um, I think we took a, a screen printing class at, at a local like community space here, was teaching us how to print with, uh, with Speedball water-based ink. And kept getting frustrated and kept trying to go back and, and really learn more and more. And, and that's sort of our, our career, I think, like in a, in a very brief synopsis of just like get frustrated, go back and try it again until we can figure out how to make it work. Well, an interesting thing here is I just finished uh, Seth Godin's new book, The Practice. If you haven't read it, you should. 
And in that book, he talks about what he calls desirable difficulty, which is the notion that we set challenges that are beyond our grasp in front of us to intentionally learn. And once we master that, then there's the next thing. So we're always looking at leveling up. And I think, you know, you're, you starting the way that you have is proof because you're such an awesome printer that you've constantly set these little challenges up in front of yourself to knock them down, right? Wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, I would. And, and thank you um, for saying that and for that observation. Um, Val and I work really, really hard. And, and I often joke that um, we tend to work harder and not smarter, uh, which is not, not the best business practice, but it's, it's been something that's been pretty prevalent in, in, our, in our career to where we sort of don't really have this end goal, but we know what we want the like finished product to look like. And we know the standard that we want it to be. Um, and we're not always necessarily attaining that, but we are constantly trying to push to get to that imaginary goal. And there is a lot of failure in it. And there's a lot of, a lot of long-term learning. And really for us, like there's been several key things that, have sort of unlocked different levels for us, but you know, we're, we're talking like, I can't even tell you how many hours that we've spent like being frustrated over prints or, or being frustrated over jobs not going right only to like get one little piece of information that we go back and retry it with that one little key. And all of a sudden it's like, it, it makes everything so much easier. That's something we've constantly struggled with, but in, in my opinion, I, I don't mind because we, we learn from it and, and I'm, I'm all for like, sort of paying for our education that way um, because I think at the end of the day, it makes us really good at our craft. Yeah. That's the epiphanal moment. That's the aha. Yep. So let's, let's talk just briefly about who you serve, your markets, your customers, what do they value and how they kind of see you as a partner. So I started screen printing, like I mentioned, about 2004, working in the music industry for a lot of local bands, a lot of local brick and mortar stores and and companies. And, you know, 16 years later, not much has really changed. We still service a lot of local businesses, small businesses. We still work with a lot of bands, big and small. And we work with a lot of companies, big and small. I think that over the past couple of years, as we have, we have really focused on our niche of just being a very high-end print shop, printing with really high-end materials and trying to tackle things that are maybe a little bit more complicated that have been sort of lost in, lost in the sands of, of printing time. We've attracted a lot of customers that maybe don't really like the quality or don't want to go to a digital solution. And, and that's, that's proved pretty, pretty awesome for us. Um, so I would say now our clientele tends to be a mixture of small businesses, bands, brands, um, and a mixture of people that like traditional screen printing or that appreciate the craft and the art form of it. So that that's the majority of who we're working with. We have a small portion of people I'd say we work with that are, excited that we're working with water-based ink and, and the eco-friendly properties of it. 
And then we have a couple of customers that just like us because we communicate with them. We talk to them. We um, let them know what's going on. Okay. You mentioned earlier that you <laughs> made the mistake of washing Plastisol ink down your your uh, parents' kitchen drain. So how did you move from using Plastisol to really going heavy into using water-based? Well, we, we printed Plastisol for a really long time. And I was, I was in a band and we were playing with another band in, in a space up in, in Fort Worth, about four-ish hours away from us. And I learned that one of the other bands had someone who was in a print shop. And, and this was very early on in our, when I say our, like my, my wife and I's printing career, she, she was there as well. And he was showing us a shirt that he had made that he was wearing that uses this, this magical ink that I could not understand called discharge ink. And it had a discharge print with a plastisol print around it. And they worked that into the design of it. And if I remember correctly, it was like a, a Banksy type of shirt with like, um, I want to say there was like a, a bomb, like bombs dropping from a plane. But the way that the, the bombs were done, they were printed with a natural discharge to get the natural fibers and then outlined in black plastisol. So it had like a really cool um, like drop shadow effect and, and it looked just, it looked great. And when I felt it, I was just blown away. I want to say that was probably like 2005, 2006. And that sort of just like, it just blew my mind. And, and that's, that was kind of the first inkling of like, we need to figure out what this is. We were printing a lot of band t-shirts. So a lot of black t-shirts, white print. And if we could go from printing a base and a highlight with Plastisol to printing just one white screen with Discharge, that just seemed like it was like a no brainer. It just made it really, really easy. So we went down that path and, and it took a long time to sort of find information about it. And I don't really think that we ever understood the real basics of discharge, probably to like 2015, 2016. So, you know, about 10 years of experimenting with it. Um, and even then, like, I can recall times of printing a five color discharge shirt on an automatic press but having to stop like every three shirts to retape the screen and, and try and trace down these like these mystical lines that were just appearing on, on our black t-shirts and then having to go in and Sharpie them uh, to make sure that they stayed black. So it took us a really long time to figure it out. And, uh, and even now, like there's still challenges that get thrown at us that were like, what is going on? Is that just because you used the wrong emulsion? Uh, our screens were, were not cured correctly for, for ah. sure. Um, but also when you introduce tape into a screen that's using discharge, there's, you know, there's some properties with like the, the way that the humidity can affect the ink in the emulsion. So the screen wasn't necessarily breaking down, but what was happening is it was seeping through like our registration marks. And even though we had it taped, it may not have been firmly pressed against the screen. And so you just have clear discharge traveling down the screen, forming lines where the, the tape is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, discharge is forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can, you can cover a little bit with some, uh, with some Sharpies and we, uh, you know, we've recently, and I mean like within the past month figured out that on black shirts, you can use black water-based ink, uh, and it, it actually works really well. Um, 
But again, we figured that out last month and we've been working with Discharge for like 15 years. Ooh, that's a good tip. So you just yeah. use a toothpick or your finger and smear it in? Yep, exactly. Uh, okay, cool. Well, there you go. So I learned something today because I, yeah. I didn't know that either. <laughs> All right. Uh, so how does using water-based, do you think, really uh, aligns with your customers? Because you certainly can print a t-shirt with Plastisol if you're doing stuff for bands. Yeah. Um, for us, we really like the fact that first and foremost, even though it is debatable, I think, to some extent, the majority of water-based ink is a bit more eco-friendly, um, discharge excluded, but Low solids, even some high solids can be a little bit more eco-friendly compared to Plastisol. So that was that was like a big reason for us moving towards it. But then as we learned to use it more, in my opinion, you can print a great shirt with Plastisol, but there is just no comparison to the hand, the feel, um, even the crispness and the definition of water base compared to uh, Plastisol. Your customers, are you educating them about it? Are they asking for water base? Are they just naturally, they like your craftsmanship and what you're doing for them? It's a combination of all of that. Um, I would say early on, it definitely was a word of mouth type of situation where we just did good work. Um, we had a lot of referrals. Even to this day, we still have a lot of referrals from people that we've met throughout the years that are working for different companies, um, even from other print shops. So I would say it started with, with the, the craftsmanship and the communication. And then as we got more and more advanced in our printmaking with water-based sink, it sort of merged between really high quality to, you know, really liking the way that water-based prints and the way that, that feels and them having a good that they can deliver to their customer that they feel is a really, really high end. And this year I think is, has been, you know, for a lot of people, have been it has been challenging. And for us, it's, it's definitely no different. But we ran, we started to run into to other challenges that I wasn't really prepared for. Where we we consider ourselves a higher end shop, um, we definitely charge accordingly for that, and we definitely started getting pushback from some of our our long time customers just because there are a lot of there, there is a lot of competition in this world, and they're starting to to be very focused on their bottom line and therefore they're starting to look at other solutions that might be a little bit cheaper or um you know they're coming to us and they're saying at first quality was important but now not so much which was something that even now i'm still trying to like reconcile with okay so let's dig into that a little bit because what how are you taking that and really demonstrating to them your value that you're a partner that you know you help them with um you know, the designs or an online store or something, and you're doing more than just the print. So what are you doing about that? Yeah. And that's, that's been a lot of the conversation inside my own head in terms of talking with these customers is trying to really figure out how we can show that we are aligned with them in a specific way. That's more than just putting ink on cotton. Because you're, you're absolutely right. We do a ton of value-added service that, for me personally, I think that's where I'm, I'm sort of dropping the ball as I'm not able to articulate it and I don't necessarily have the strongest pitch. I think that our pitch in the past has just been like, 
we can do it. We've done it. We'll continue doing it. Um, and we'll, we'll sort of rise to your, your challenge. But now I'm finding that we're having to tweak that because like we, we can work with our customers all we want, but at the end of the day, now with a lot of these bands or artists there, you know, this is their only source of income that they have this year because all their other avenues have been canceled or, or, you know, they're not allowed because of COVID right now. And so they're pivoting in a specific way and we're having to figure out ways to pivot with them while still adding value, but also like making it so they can make a profit from it. And it's been very interesting to try and make all of those pieces align. So are you adding more possibilities like different things to merchandise or better fulfillment services? What are you doing? We're, we're trying to, to figure it all out, honestly. Um, I, I think right now for us, one of the things that has been a really big focus for us this year, as much as, as it has been for, I think, a lot of other shops, is really trying to become more efficient with the things that we have already. Um, if we can cut our lead times down by a week or if we can get you know um, X amount of jobs done in an hour, just trying to speed up those processes and, and the quicker we can get things to market for them is a position that we're trying to figure out how we can really like become leaders in. Because our, our business model for the past couple of years has really been heavily reliant on growing our, our portion of business that does fulfillment and e-commerce. And we're not doing print on demand. So we're doing a lot of production that is then fed into fulfillment. And we've really understood that because of COVID and because of this year, like it closed a lot of doors way faster than I think anyone was really anticipating. And so now we view ourselves much more as a merchandise logistics company in terms of we're not just printing goods and shipping them out anymore. We're, we're now trying to figure out how can we help our customers maximize their web store? How can we help them create unique products? How can we help them connect to their fans better and faster um, and convert that into sales. And, you know, we, we were lucky we already had a leg up on a lot of that stuff, but um, we're finding that we're having to more or less like strip everything down and rebuild it up just because so much has changed so quickly. Right. And there's a phrase I read somewhere and I can't remember where I wish I could attribute it to the right person, but it's uh, nobody pays a juggler to toss one ball. And I think (laughs) these days, we need to do a better job of really understanding we're in the problem-solving business, not just the apparel decoration business. And I would be very careful with the labels that we use for ourselves. So if we think of ourselves as a screen printer or as an embroiderer, you're really limiting yourself. And I really love that you're digging deep into more options and what you're doing to help your solve your customers' problems. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And, and we recognize too that like if we can help solve their problems, we can we can basically try try to try being the key word, make it like scalable. So if we can figure out a problem for one customer, well now we just unlocked a whole other level of things we can figure out for others. And if we're able to grow that and scale it in a in an organic or natural way. Um, it really helps our, you know, our community of customers because it's not, you know, it's not Night Owls helping A, B, and C. It's Night Owls helping this group of folks that all sort of have a similar goal or 
common characteristic. And it really just, it starts to set us apart a little bit more. Like what you hear so far? Be sure to subscribe so you can get the latest from Success Stories. And now here's Jason Peters with the SNS Spotlight. Hey, today I want to talk to you about my secret weapon for water-based discharge printing, and that's the Bella Canvas 3001 CVC. You know, we all love the look of a tri-blend, that black classic concert shirt with that off-white one-color soft hand print that comes out with like a natural color. That's an easy sell. We know how to sell that. But what happens every once in a while when that customer comes in and they want that black tri-blend, but they want more of a vivid white print instead of the natural look that takes you back to the original color of cotton. Now you have to play around with pie blockers and then worry about the heat and the rayon with the tri-blend. Well, the 3001 CVC in this special color black heather, I really think is a hassle-free solution to get you around that with the same effect. Uh, it's a 90% cotton uh, and 10% polyester blend. What's so special about this fabric? Well, in the case of the black heather, when you actually just go with a discharge base, you actually get more of a vibrant white look to it. So it just makes it a simple solution. It's something I definitely recommend you try. Order a sample of the Bella Canvas 3001 Unisex CVC in color Black Heather. Give it a shot with a natural brace and add this to your arsenal of great offerings for vintage print shirts. What's the one thing with this kind of new direction that you feel like you're just absolutely killing it? To be honest, I I, I don't I don't really feel strongly in, in one area or another because I, I don't, this, this year has sort of proven to us, like we're not absolutely killing it. In fact, there's a lot of areas that need improvement and whether we've identified that or they've been brought to our attention by our customers, there, there's a lot of things that we're working on fixing. And I think that like, I think when you start to get complacent, then you start falling behind and and yeah, so to answer that question, like, I don't really feel comfortable answering that because I don't feel um, like we're killing it. I feel like we're getting by, but we we recognize that there's so much room for improvement in what we're doing um, that all of our issues are growing pains, which is like a hard thing to sort of take a step back and, and understand. But really, if I'm like looking at uh, my, my list of you know, issues that we need to focus on in one department or another. It's just that like, we've grown at a great pace, but it's been very, very small business minded, not, not bigger business minded, if that makes any sense. So a lot of the things that we have set up, while they worked when we were in a garage with, you know, myself and my wife, now having 30 people in three different departments and, um, you know, having, uh, having invoices for just shipping that are a hundred thousand dollars in a month. Like it's a completely different scale and things have to kind of shift and change because of that. Well, that's okay. You know, we talked earlier about you purposely leveling up, you know, with that whole desirable difficulty kind of idea. And then this is just a natural evolution of your business, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, if, if, if I have to choose one thing to say that we're, we're, you know, we're doing a really good job in or killing it, I would say that it's in recognizing our own shortcomings and our own faults and trying to figure out ways to, to overcome them. Um, we've had a lot of changes in our company in the past 12 months. The person that was 
running fulfillment for us uh, for three or four years. You know, he he stepped out, left the company to focus on his own his own company, which is our number one customer this year. So that that's kind of cool. But you know, it, it sort of left this vacuum, and we had to figure out really quickly how to put someone in with really not much training and not much experience to run a department that as of as of a month ago was like close to 200% what it was last year. So we we've had a lot of crash course learning and, and hands-on experience on you know failing upwards in that department I would say. That's very interesting and the perfect segue <laughs> to my question here which is all about your company culture, right? So, you know, you've you had to promote somebody. You also have done a really good job of building a team. So talk about what it's like to work at Night Owls and the culture there and how your people are really the, you know, where your success comes from. Yeah, so we definitely like to talk up our employees. We're, we're really proud of the people that we work with and really proud of the fact that they're, you know, willing to come on this this journey with Val and I every day. I think from an employee standpoint, working at Night Owls, you know, it's we, we try and, and treat our staff well and take care of them. But at the end of the day, one of our shortcomings that, that we're trying to, to overcome is better, better accountability for everybody and also um, better visibility for everybody. So like, Right now, there's you know a couple people in the company that hold hold the the keys to everything, and not everyone can sort of see what's going on, and therefore, like not everyone really has a full clear picture of what's happening, and that's something I've struggled with over the course of ten years of this business to really like figure out ways to make sure that everyone knows like what's happening in the company, but also that everyone knows we're doing we're doing things that not many other print shops can do. Because it's like I, I'm I'm looped into other printers and and the screen printing community and and even learning more about the fulfillment community, I I, I see that. Um, but you know, on a day to day basis, like uh, you know, Corey down in production, he's not looking at the forums and and not seeing what other people are doing. And so we're constantly trying to make sure they're like they're understanding and, and proud of the work that they're doing. So yeah, that didn't really answer the question, I don't think, but. It just comes down to like, we try and treat people well, and it's still, you know, we're still very much growing. And I would say we're growing into or or learning how to be a better business. Okay. So let's take the example of the person you had to move into the fulfillment role. So are you giving them some training or what tools are you using to set them up for success? Because obviously that has to work out. Yeah. And and so for us, it was a really complicated situation. Um, This other employee had left. We, we had figured out prior to him leaving that he was doing responsibilities and duties in that department that probably would have been better suited for two to three other people. So we had made a decision when we knew he was leaving to hire base or to split that role into two. And when he made that announcement to leave, we had put some people in place and the person that we had put into place for part, you know, the the customer service part of that position, he took over when that previous employee left. And then uh, he immediately had to leave 
because he had um, he he was had exposure to COVID. So now we had a perfect storm of this vacuum where we had no one really in charge. Uh, we had orders flying in left and right, like we couldn't keep up. We had customers upset with us because we weren't getting things ingested or out the door quickly. And I had to jump in and try and learn a department in my company that I knew nothing about. And so in the middle of the summer, we sort of took a a step back. We repositioned some folks that were running the day-to-day of it and, and pulled some other people from some other departments and really just came up with a game plan of like, okay, first, we just need to do damage control and really try and make sure everyone, all of our customers and all of our customers' customers know what's going on. And that required a lot of like one-on-one phone calls with, with our fulfillment customers, explaining what was going on and, and you know, really trying to overly communicate and apologize and, and put in clear channels of communication because there weren't any. And that's, that's a big problem for night owls in general is that we've grown really fast and really rapidly. And we feel really confident that our, our print levels are second to none or our print quality, but like all these other things were sort of falling behind. Like I mentioned earlier, we had to sort of take a step back and learn how to be a business and really focus a lot of things on being a business. And that stemmed from, you know, the very real possibility that a fulfillment might fall apart and if fulfillment falls apart and we lose, you know, anywhere from one to worst case scenario, all of our fulfillment customers, 20, 25 different stores, well, that's going to have a negative effect on production. That's going to have an even more negative effect on the company as a whole. So it was really understanding that like we needed to put in, you know, these SOPs, we needed to put in um, redundancy plans and we really needed to get organized. And we basically survived 10 years of things being on like, you know, band-aids and paper clips and, and duct tape. Um, and, you know, this year was the breaking point of just like, it can't be like this. Well, that's music to my ears, Eric. You know, I'm a big process guy. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Um, I love the fact that what you had to do to solve the problem was really just take an in-depth look what does success look like? What with clarity? What do we need to be doing? Let's map that out. Let's chart what we need. Let's let's get down to brass tacks and solve the problem. And I think too many people, and you mentioned the word band-aid, they just they just make a temporary fix to stuff. So, you know, they put the duct tape on the pipe, but they don't fix the pipe. And then always at the wrong time, that's when the pipe explodes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, right? it's you would agree really with that. Challenging, really, really challenging because, like, again, like this, my my strong suit is like paying attention to the trends in like printing and and really trying to like level that level up on that area. But like, it became really clear that like, as much as I consider myself like a visionary, I kind of needed to to figure out some integrator roles, whether that meant me being an integrator for a little bit or hiring the right people, which, which, you know, there's nothing like trying to hire a fulfillment manager while you're, you know, a hundred percent above where you were the year before with the same staff uh, and no one knows what's going on. So we had to really figure out a lot of things really quickly. And 
even now, like there's still things that are sort of like duct taped together because we can't quite pull the trigger on a plan just yet, because if we did, it would just be like catastrophic. Um, so it's, it's sort of learning to roll with that too. Yeah. So Eric, let's just shift into what are your plans for this year? What do you got cooking? So for um, this year, we are really taking a, a real strong um, dive into better and leaner organization across the company. Um, we are really fortunate that we have a lot of a lot of people in our corner, whether it be from vendors, suppliers, or just other other friends that are willing to help us out. You know, we, we've been doing a lot of work with a, a really good friend of Val and I's and, and what we consider him to be a mentor with, with Danny Gerninger, really trying to elevate the efficiency of our production team so that we're able to, like I mentioned earlier, we're able to get things out faster. We're able to produce at a higher quality quicker, um, which we think is going to have really good results for fulfillment. And with that as well, we're really interested and really looking into expanding our fulfillment and expanding the options that are available outside of our traditional, you know, we, we print goods and then we store them and send them out for customers. Um, so we're looking at different options for that, whether it be hybrid print solutions or um, figuring out ways to do print on demand and, and better direct to garment goods. There's a lot of room in that area because I think I think you'd agree, Marshall, that the industry is really trending that way. I don't think what we do on a day-to-day basis is going to go away, um, but I think that it's going to be severely reduced and we're going to have to get really creative with how we're marketing what we do as well as how quickly we're able to roll things out. Uh, so we're, we're trying to do a lot of planning on that. Yeah, I totally re- agree with that. And I think the the industry, especially with online stores and e-commerce in particular, is trending to more sustainable and lower cost options. Uh, you know, storing printed inventory is expensive. Printing on demand is more sustainable and cheaper because you're only doing it as the orders are coming in. But there's a higher infrastructure and other costs to get that set up because uh, it's incredibly complicated. (laughs) Yeah. And and I've been thinking a lot about that too, because like, I think one of the biggest disservices like direct to garment or, or hybrid systems like the digital squeegee or, or, you know, the, the rock hybrid or any of the other versions like that is they're very much advertised as like a plug and play solution. And I think you and I both know that it's very, very, far from that. Um, Once you get things dialed, sure, it can be that way. But like, I look at print on demand. And I think the printing is the easy part. It's the infrastructure behind it. And I I don't know many people or many shops that have the pockets to carry that amount of inventory on hand at any given time, as well as like, you know, running fulfillment for a couple years, we moved into a new building. We, we purchased our building three years ago um, and we had about 3,500 square feet dedicated to fulfillment. And, you know, we knew, okay, like this isn't necessarily going to be like the forever home for it, but we'll be good probably like five to seven years. Well, here we are at the end of, of year three and we're so maxed out beyond capacity that we're constantly trying to figure out how do we move things around? Where do we put things? Like when does this release come out? And so 
there's so much more to print on demand and DTG than setting up a DTG printer and, and printing it that, like I said, that that's the easiest part, but like, how do you carry all these styles? How do you um, build a network so that you can ensure that the right goods are being picked and the right goods are being packed? And, you know, how do you control that, that flow and those metrics? Someone much, much smarter than me will figure it out. And I, I know they already have, but it's not as easy as just buying a DTG machine and saying, I can do print on demand now. Well, there's software, there's all types of processes, there's a lot of choices. And I, I would, I think it all boils down to one thing, which is clarity, which is all about setting yourself up for success by really understanding where you want to go. So, you know, it's the begin with the end in mind kind of concept, right? Right, and right. So if we're going to go down this route, right, what's the success look like? Do we need to offer 20 SKUs or can we do it with three, right? And so what are we really kind of narrowing down here? Because there's space limitations, there's technology limitations, there's all types of constraints that we need to process. And at the end of the day, the person ordering from the webpage or online store, they just want a shirt with a great look and design, you know? And I think sometimes we make this type of thing harder on ourselves, but because we want to offer more variables and more choices. And I think if you limit some stuff, you can arrive at your destination faster because you're on purpose, just kind of thinking about what is the end result and how can I make my customer happier? Yeah, this is and, a whole nother podcast topic, Eric. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I'll I'll just end on it and say, like, like I'd mentioned earlier, I, I don't think what we do on a day-to-day basis in terms of traditional screen printing is going away. Um, I think that it's just going to shift and, and the type of clients that that want that are going to be people that recognize and maybe maybe they they understand, maybe they don't understand, but like a good example is like we have a lot of customers that we do a lot of printing for that we run fulfillment for that they're not interested in going to DTG. They like the look and the feel of a traditional screen printed shirt. When you add in the aspects of water base and you add in the aspects of discharge, even with technology changing, I still have a very, very high hopes that with that new technology, there's still going to be a lot of room for some of these older techniques, especially when they're done, they're done well. I don't think screen printing is going anywhere. There's just, it's, there's a, another whole sector that's going to emerge. And I think screen printing still stays strong. So, but Hey, thank you so much, Eric, for your time today and sharing your story of success. Uh, If somebody wanted to learn more about night owls or you in particular or whatever, how can they reach out to you? What's the best way? Um, Probably through our Instagram account, which is at night N I G H T owls o-w-l-s print um we post a lot of stuff on there a lot of behind the scenes kind of look at at how we build our projects uh that that's actually a, a big goal for this year is really trying to help create better content for people to understand how to work with Waterbase and also sort of give them a peek behind the curtain as to what's going on with fulfillment and all these other areas of things we work on awesome awesome hey thank you so much for your time today it's been great Thank you so much. Take care. Well, that's our show today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the latest success stories episodes. 
Have any suggestions for future guests or topics? Send them my way at marshall at marshallatkinson.com and we'll see you next time.